0: And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail wholesale and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at DebraPrinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 422. Our first sponsor thanks today goes to Mayesh Wholesale Florist. Family owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S. And we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. Our theme for 2019, 50 States of Slow Flowers, continues today with Katie Smuglinski of The Rustic Bunch, based in Leesport, Berks County, Pennsylvania. Listen for my conversation with Katie in the second portion of this episode. Late last month, I traveled to Vermont, my second trip to this beautiful state in 2019. Earlier this year, you heard my interview with Tom Jennings of Green Mountain Floral Supply, an independent full-service wholesale hub serving much of New England. I interviewed Tom after teaching creative writing as part of their spring workshop series. This time, I returned to Burlington, Vermont, to be part of the Floral Field Trip, held at Mountain Flower Farm, where owner Walt Krakowski grows exquisite cut flowers for the professional florist, from peonies to hydrangeas. Walt shared his flowers and his knowledge with the attendees during a two-day visit to his fields, and several other instructors also presented, including Kelly Shore of Petals by the Shore and Mary-Kate Canane of the Local Bouquet, organizers of the event. I gave a Slow Flowers update and led the designers and flower farmers through a creative writing exercise. And today's guest, Allison Ellis, a local Vermont florist and owner of Floral Artistry, presented All Things Pricing, a mini version of her popular flower math course. I've known Allison mostly through social media over the years, and I've watched how her business of teaching and education has really grown. We also share a fun connection through Florist Review, where I'm a contributing editor and Allison is a regular business columnist. I couldn't skip the opportunity to record an in-person conversation with Allison to share with you. Lately, I've been in conversation with many of you about the term sustainable. And in addition to having sustainable practices in our businesses, I strongly believe the term also applies to ensuring that florists and flower farmers are sustained by their businesses, that they are paid a living wage and compensated fairly for the beauty they bring to the world. Allison is one of the people helping make that happen, especially as she coaches others how to build profitability into their flowers. A New Jersey native, Allison took her first floral design class when she was in fifth grade. Even at that young age, she was hooked. She moved to Vermont to attend the University of Vermont, graduating with a Bachelor of Science in Plant and Soil Science and a minor in Small Business. While attending school, Allison was a buyer and a designer at a busy flower shop. And then, after working for a few florists in the Burlington area, as well as on an organic flower farm, she realized it was time to branch out on her own, and she founded Floral Artistry in 2002. Allison is also founder of realflowerbusiness.com and creator of Flower Math. She teaches florists around the world how to increase their income and have more freedom in their business, how to maximize profits and establish a long lasting brand. Through her online courses, private and group coaching and free videos, Allison has helped thousands of florists streamline their business processes and make more money. Allison's videos and articles are featured in leading industry publications, including Florist Review, FlirtyFloors.com, BotanicalBruhaha.com, and Mornings with Mayash. In addition, she's taught at the Chapel Designers Conference at Hope Flower Farm and the Floral Reserve in Providence, Rhode Island. Allison says... I love flowers, but I cannot pick a favorite. Irises, poppies, orchids, ranunculus, roses, delphinium, clematis, dahlias, whatever's growing in my garden right now, they're all my favorite. She also says she can still remember the first bridal bouquet she ever made in 2001, all white roses. 2019 marks Allison's 18th wedding season. She loves her job. Visit deboraprinzing.com to see photos of Allison and her flowers and find links to her courses and other offerings, as well as learn how you can find and follow her on social media. Let's jump right in and get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so delighted today to introduce you to my friend Allison Ellis of realflowerbusiness.com. Hi, Allison. Hi, Deborah. It's so good to be here with you. It's This is great. I'm so so thrilled that it worked out, that we're both together in your home state of Vermont. Indeed. Uh, we've been part of the, um, the floral field trip uh, hosted by Kelly Shore and Mary Kate Canane, past guests of this podcast. And I know you all have been following along on what they're doing because uh, we had them talk about it in the the spring. And um, it's something that Slow Flowers and Real Flower Business came um, on as sponsors. So that's what brought us here. Kismet. (laughs) Allison and I met. We were remembering um, back about five years ago at a Chapel Designers Conference. Indeed. We didn't really know each other. We kind of kind of hovered around each other's worlds, and last year you joined Still Flowers, and I was really touched about that, and you saw it as a community that might be interested in what you're teaching uh, with your workshop series. So talk a little bit about uh, what is Real Flower Business. Real Flower Business
1: is my way of teaching florists how to actually make more money in their business, how to communicate better with their customers, how to book weddings more easily, And have more fun in their business because what we do is a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. And if there's any way to streamline, especially the the annoying bits like emails and how do you negotiate contracts or send out a proposal really quickly without spending too much time, um, those are, you know, most importantly, how to make more money in Mm -hmm. your business. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that I started creating tools for florists that really help
0: them actually transform their business into something that is profitable. So how do you set it up? You have specific products, per se, that people are um, subscribing to or buying. Or describe how you you navigate all the options that you teach people.
1: I do have a lot of options, and that was totally by accident. So I started in 2015 after I attended a conference where... We were making this beautiful compote, you know, big, beautiful, really full workshop style compote. And the people around me said, well, you're the pricing guru. Why don't you price this out and tell us what you would charge for this? And I had never been called a pricing guru before, so I took this opportunity to, you know, price out the piece. And so we all talked about it. And it was, you know, I don't remember specifically, but it was something like $350 is what you would charge for this compote if you actually marked up everything as you should. And so then when I went home from the workshop, it was sort of – um all these little big magic moments. I don't know if you've read Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic, but big right. magic moments started happening where there were
0: these like little the universe brought you this opportunity.
1: It really did. Yeah. And in her book, she says, you know, like ideas are alive and you may get an idea and it may be waiting for you for whenever you're ready. Or your idea may go visit other people and someone else may have the idea. Like if you ever were like, oh, I have a cool idea for an invention, and then Three months later, you see it on the market. You're like, I had the idea for that. Um, Sorry. The universe didn't—you yeah. you weren't ready
0: for it. It wasn't waiting for <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, it wasn't yeah.
1: yours. Um, and then sometimes they disappear, and they're just gone, and you it never comes to fruition at all. And the idea that somebody might get this idea, too, to help teach florists how to make money— Was something that I couldn't bear the idea of someone like having getting to this first. So I really buckled down and started making my flower math course.
0: I just have to, in sympathy and empathy, tell you I had the same issue with the Slow Flowers directory. I kept thinking someone should start a directory of farmers and florists that you can source American local seasonal flowers from. And eventually I realized that someone better be me because if if it happens, I'll be really irritated. Yes. So sometimes we're motivated by these, like, I don't know, I don't want to say fear, but like this anxiety that we... We're going to be mad at ourselves if we don't grab that opportunity. And
1: it's like, it's mine. That idea Mm. was yours. Mm -hmm. And this idea was mine. So Mm I had. you called it flower math from the beginning? I did. I just was like, I'm going to make a course called flower math. And so I started thinking about it. So this was right when my son was about to go to preschool. So Mm -hmm. I was about to like get a little bit of my life back, right? Mm -hmm. Like two days a week, I was about to get some life back. And I can remember vividly, like, you know, I'd be driving to go pick him up. I'd be thinking about the course and what it was going to be in there. And then, of course, you always have those moments of self-doubt of, like, well, who am I to teach people this? And if people already know this. Like, this isn't really anything special, but I've done a lot of business training over the years, a lot, and it's a lot of mindset. And so I am I am aware of fraud feelings and fear feelings and recognizing them and kicking fear in the face and beating it down and saying, it doesn't matter. You're going to show up here. It's also what Elizabeth Gilbert talks about, right? like fear is always there. It has to come with you on the
0: ride, but it can't drive. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it can't be in the driver's seat. That's so interesting because I see you pop up in my uh Instagram or Facebook feed saying Allison Ellis is live with Real Flower Business. I'm like, "God, this girl does this." Day woman. This yes. woman does this I, I day in flower girl. So I'll <laughs> stick with girl for now. <laughs> this this chick and yeah. it does this day in and day out. And you are super consistent. Um, I don't even know what your schedule is, but we can talk a little bit about what you do for your community. But um, I just I think it's it's like you you drilled down on what the essential idea was, and you've blown it out into many iterations. And I Thanks. I think that's I I think that's what we all desire for our businesses. So it's it's really fun to see what it's where it's taken you in 4 years. Yeah,
1: it's it's really been a journey because I really had this one idea for this one course flower math. So like I said these big magic moments started happening. Like I was on Facebook and an ad came up for how to create an online course, a free webinar today at noon. And I took it and I immediately signed up and bought the product and started making my course that way mm. and there were a bunch of little things like that that popped up that allowed me to create the course and feel confident about it um so i probably went from i would bet it was within 5 weeks that i went from idea to actually having the course like published and ready to go wow and that was in 2015 that was in 2015 so i started making it in october of 2015 and it was ready to go. I think it was like November 8th or something
0: was when I first launched it. Wow. What was that first course uh, lengthwise? like? How did you structure it? Because maybe it's changed a little bit. It has. I've added to the course.
1: So what I do is when you Sign up for Flower Math. You get lifetime access to the course, so you can hop back in it. You can get a refresher, and I've added bonuses over the years. So, like the people who first bought it, like I just got an email from someone the other day, and he said, "Hey, I I bought your course back in 2015, and I forgot my login." And I'm like, "You need no introduction. You are one of the first people to buy my course. I will literally never forget your name. Oh, honey, you know." Yeah. And um, so yeah, I just added some bonuses in there. So I've added the course started with three weddings, three real weddings, real profits. I walk you through everything, what I ordered, what I spent, how much money I made, what the profit margin is, what I paid people who worked for me. So you can see how it all breaks down, the recipes, how I, you know, how I put all the orders together. And so I do um there's a there's more than a handful of videos, about an hour worth of shorter videos that okay. all go together. So there are downloadable PDFs that you can have. There are videos that supplement. And one doesn't replace the other. I really want you to watch the videos and do the downloads. And, you know, you have these things as part of your
0: your arsenal now. So and, and the, cheat
1: sheets and all that. Yeah,
0: so these are kind of some some of these things are uh, you have to be self-motivated to work your way through the worksheets. And others you can sit and watch and maybe you guide people along. That's
1: exactly right. Like the I shouldn't say their worksheets so much as they're PDFs that give you like all the all the nitty gritty. And mm-hmm. that's literally what I call the <laughs> nitty-gritty and the cogs. So you can really just look back at it and see mm-hmm. how I do these things. And I give a cheat sheet because mm-hmm. I in flower shops they always had little cheat sheets, little grids of, you know, if you have this much money for your arrangement and the vase costs this much. You know, you follow the lines and this is how much you have to spend on flowers. So that's something that a lot of people were like, oh, I grew up in flower shops that had that and it's great to see it again. Or, oh, my gosh, you know, cheat sheets have changed my life because I don't have to do the math every time. So it's really it's a tool and you get out what you put in. So I've had people tell me they go through the whole course in like four or five hours. I had someone tell me she bought like three other pricing courses And none of them answered her questions, and she tried my course, and literally the next day she went for the first time to her wholesaler, knowing how much money she was going to make, having recipes for the first time. I think, you know, we were just talking about, like, the difference between, like, art and commodity and how Mm -hmm. we overlap. And some people really take the artistry side of floral design as what leads them and drives them. Sure. And That's why we got into floral design or flower farming in the first place is the... The The beauty, beauty. yeah. And then there are people, you know, like, there are plenty, you can just picture the outlets of floral, you know, retailers that are more commodity-based. They don't care about making something beautiful. They're just making something they can make a profit on. But there's a place where these overlap, where you can be an artist that also makes money if you think like a flower shop. And that's really what I talk about all the time, is you got to think like a flower shop, whether you work at home or in a retail space. You should be making a good profit margin
0: on your flowers. Some of your philosophy came from putting in the years working in retail flower shops, right? Yeah. And then trying to say, how can I, once you became a studio designer, how can I keep the discipline of, like you said, a worksheet or whatever?
1: Well, it's like when I was saying how I met people who were like, well, you're the pricing guru. It never occurred to me. That this, you know, I'd be at a workshop with however many people, you know, a room full of 40 Mm -hmm. florists. And you'd think every single person in here knows how to price. And it wasn't until people started asking questions that it occurred to me that it was actually special that I never questioned my pricing. It was a huge advantage that Mm -hmm. I worked in these flower shops that all priced the exact same way. So I didn't question how was I going to price. It was the way I was taught and the way all flowers do it is the way I will do it. Mm-hmm. And so I've always had a method. I've always had, you know, formulas that I followed and I've always made money in my business, whether it was, you know, my very first wedding that was all sunflowers. <laughs> it was like, you know, you're nervous to even see the bride. You're like, I just want to deliver this and get out of here before anybody sees me. <laughs> you know, I just want this. Because i not real. Yes. Yeah. This is all, it's those fraud feelings like I'm just starting this. Oh my gosh. So
0: yeah. anyway, go ahead. Yeah.
1: Or like when I made a head wreath, you know, I can still remember this girl who found me, I was doing restaurant accounts and she was like, I'm having a, um, I'm graduating from grad school and I really like to have a floral crown. And so I made her a floral crown and make money on it, you know? Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. remember that floral crown cause I had a little thank you note, you know, that she sent me, you know, it's these little things. It yeah. doesn't have to be a big
0: thing to be a memorable part of your like floral journey, That's interesting. Okay. So uh, keeping this in mind, and uh, by the way, listeners, uh, Allison just gave a mini presentation on this uh, to the attendees of the the floral field trip last night. So I have this all fresh in my mind. Um, I feel like there's some assumptions or um, isms that uh, you want to debunk about like the X, the 3X or the 4X or the 2X, whatever, all these sort of Must do's, and you've kind of flipped it upside down and changed the way people should be calculating their profit.
1: Well, the way I think about it is you know, there are industry standards on pricing, but there's a range of industry standards. So some florists mark their flowers up three times, others mark them up four times. Supplies, some people mark them up two times, some mark them up two and a half times. those are the, the standards, the standard mm-hmm. ranges. But you can mark them up three and a half times. You can mark them up five times. You can do whatever you want, but you should know the, the baseline so you know, are you above? Are you within line? Or are you charging too little? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the really important piece. The most important thing that most florists are missing is the design fee. And that baffles me because, again... You know, I worked in half a dozen shops that all did this the same exact way. So when people say, "What's the design fee that you're talking about?" Like, right, cuz you're making up you're marking up the flowers, doesn't that absorb the design fee? No, that's just the cost of, you know, what the flowers cost in terms of the time you spent to pick up the flowers, right? The loss you might have if you can't use every single stem in the bunch. Like that's what your markup is there to protect. But your design fees for your talent. That's mm. for the time you're at your workbench. It's for the time I'm sitting writing my recipes and imagining what this is for. And at this point in my career, I mean, I'm 17 years into having my own business. At this point, like that covers the time that I spend having those consultations, which, you know, I do most of my booking through phone consultations. Sometimes I never even meet my bride till the wedding day. But any of that work and all of that work is part of what's covered by that design fee. Okay. So that's why, you know, you should charge anywhere from 30 to 40% and more if it's harder, you know, but it shouldn't fall below that range. So then you can
0: guarantee that you're you're pricing on par. Okay. So you're at, what are you, what are you, what are you using to calculate that 30 to 40%? What's What's the number? You're starting with the cost of the flowers and the hard goods, right?
1: What I do is I always add up everything that's going into the bouquet, and then add the price of the the design fee on top of okay. that. Okay. And sometimes it varies. Like for a bridal bouquet, a lot of times I'll just take a hundred dollars for myself, no matter what, mm-hmm. and that's for my time mm-hmm. and talent and expertise. So you can set your own rules. It's like they say, you got to learn the rules so that you can break them like an artist, right? So we have to know what our rules are so we know whether we're in, in line or out of line. And like I say, and like I end my presentation, like it doesn't matter what you charge if you overbuy. So you can mark your flowers up 10 times, but if you're overbuying, you're still
0: leaving money on the table. So that's why it's really important to keep your buying in check. Uh, that must be the happiest day for you when you finish producing a wedding with the flowers you've ordered, and there's like three stems left over or something. Oh yeah, that's I'm winning at life. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a good one. Yeah, um, because then you also impressed on us last night that you're going into that um, that production day knowing that you've bought correctly, mm-hmm. so what you're charging is going to give you a profit. Yes.
1: And I always say you don't want to have a spending goal. You want to have a profit goal. So I don't go to my supplier thinking I owe it to my client to spend this much money in order to deserve what they're paying me, mm-hmm. right? And what they're paying me for is all the time and expertise and care and customer service and email writing. All of that is what's what I'm being paid for. Meeting their expectations all along the way is what I'm paid for. So I don't worry if I – made a, you know, 75% profit margin that my client didn't get her value. Mm -hmm. She's experienced it all along the way.
0: But unfortunately, there is this, um, yeah, there's this lack of understanding of what a florist really does. So I feel like the people's comments about how much flowers are so expensive, they're looking at like that raw material. Yes. Like, well, I can buy it at the farmer's market for 50 cents a stem, so why am I paying $75 seventy five dollars for a centerpiece and right yeah it's, it's interesting because when we built a house there was this accepted um the the contractor has this accepted line in the contract which is profit line and he put in he you just know from the beginning he he deserves a 30 percent profit on building you a house yeah after you've paid for you know time and materials it's not hidden right and and you it's acceptable in that industry and yep. in floristry I don't know. It just it's, it's more built
1: in. You know, again, I follow what I call the flower shop formulas, right? Mm-hmm. The flower shop model. And in a flower shop, you know, someone comes in and maybe they have a they want a $50 arrangement. Right. Well, you don't say, okay, well, that'll be $50 plus the design fee. You back the design fee out of that. You know, you build it into that. So again, I follow that exact formula that I always followed. And I just I don't question it. Yeah. Very
0: cool. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned is that you, um, because you've taught hundreds of students now over the last yeah. four years, um, you have had some farmer florists and farmers take the course. And so you've developed like a bonus section or something like that. Yeah, I
1: added into the, into the course a little section just for flower farmers. Um, it's not super elaborate. It's not going to talk about how you, you know, you include your farm inputs and all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. I don't I don't uh, you know, delve into areas I'm not an actual expert in. Well, and the
0: variables are different from <laughs> That's every the farm, thing. yeah.
1: Farmers are better at teaching farmers about that. Mm-hmm. But what I can do is help a farmer learn how to price like a florist mm-hmm. because there's no reason that they should leave money on the table if they're doing the same work, if they're adding in the same kind of care and expertise. There's no reason they shouldn't be adding a 30
0: percent design fee onto their flowers as well. Interesting. So uh, if the farmer has already done the hard work to understand the cost of goods sold, so they're no, they know what they want to charge for every single stem that leaves the farm. You're saying just carry that that pricing over to the flower math Absolutely. worksheet because it should be comparable to buying from a wholesaler. Absolutely, and.
1: What I find when flower farmers have taken my course is I'll get a question. So anytime Mm -hmm. I get a question, I think other people have this question too. And so that's often how a bonus gets added into Flower Map. So I added this section because a flower farmer said, I took your class and it was really great but I'm not sure how to make this actually work for my business because I don't necessarily know what I'm putting in the bouquet. So how will I price it like this? So I said, let's hop on the phone and let's talk about what exactly your question is here. And what it, came to be is exactly that. It's just as simple as, I don't know what next week looks like right now.
0: Sure. Because I'm reliant, reliant on the season or yeah. whatever. Yeah.
1: It could be super hot on Saturday. And now I've got way more zinnias than I expected or far fewer because it was cloudy for three days. So what I suggest is you use these placeholders, you know, you can still consider, is this a $3 stem? Is it a $5 stem? Is it a $2 stem? And you can still use these same formulas Without having to name exactly how many zinnias or how many sunflowers or whatever are going into your design.
0: And if you kind of know your crop uh, profile, then the slightly more expensive flowers are probably the focal flowers. And so you can still come up with a rough idea of how a bouquet or a centerpiece would look. Whereas the the $2 ones are, you know, the texture or the foliage and then the $1 are the little bits. Yes. I I see the corollary. Yeah. Very cool. So how did you get into floristry in the first place? Because you had a business before you launched the online courses. I do. Yeah. I I very first started
1: actually in fifth grade. I took my first floral design course. What? (laughs) I know. It was a summer workshop. And, you know, it's like a six-week summer workshop or something. And my mom was a school teacher, so she always taught in the summer at the workshop. And so we attended the workshop and it was an arts camp. So, okay. you know, we learned all kinds of stuff. Um, and one year they had a fresh floral design course and for I, fifth grade kids. For, yeah, yeah. And I loved it. My dad had a business at the time and his business partner had another business that was a flower shop. Mm. So at the end of this, you know, workshop, um, His friend came over with some flowers, and I, like, made a little arrangement. And then when I was 16... They actually did the course again the next year, but they did it with fake flowers. And oh. it was, let me tell you, deborah not the same. <laughs> Although I do still have one of those designs <laughs> all these years later. What, was, what were they thinking? <laughs> I know. I was very disappointed, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that flower design course again. And here we were, like, you know, cutting pipe cleaners and fabric and making flowers. Oh, and I see. Okay. It was not. We're crafty. Yeah, not quite the same thing. but. When I was 16 and I'm really eager to get a job, I'm from New Jersey originally, so of course you go to the mall to get a job Mm -hmm. because that's what you do in New Jersey, work at the mall. So I applied to, you know, the pizza place and the clothing places and nobody called me back, right? I literally got no response to many, many, many applications. And then my mom came home and she said, you know, the flower cart in the mall is hiring. Remember how you like that course in fifth grade? Like maybe you should apply, So I did, and they literally called me the next day. They're the only people who even called me back for all my applications that I filled out. So it was kind of meant to be. Yeah, Um, really. And so I trained there. And so it was a really, really good first experience because it was a cart in a mall. So talk about resourceful, right? Florists are resourceful. We had no water source. We had no back room, you know. I mean, we did have a back room, but it was way down in like the the Basically, bowels yeah. of the of the mall, right? <laughs> You're, like walking around the corners, like people didn't really carry mace back then. But I'll tell you, if I worked in the mall now, <laughs> I would walking in those back hallways. Yeah, but um and. I trained for a few months, and then you're on your own. You worked solo at the cart. So you took ownership of everything, you know, the cash register, the sales, keeping things stocked. Oftentimes I was tasked with, like, filling an entire case of water tubes. So here, fill these thousand water tubes tonight, where you get, you know, you get the sense of the hard work and the, the labor of love that mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I would never trade that experience
0: for anything. It was a really great first you know, dip mm-hmm. in the water of floral mm-hmm. design. And then you you uh, you mentioned that you have had your own business for 17 years. Yeah. So after working for other flower shops um and retail florists, uh you you never opened a retail shop yourself. You went right into studio floristry.
1: I did. Well when it was time to so I started when I was 16 at the flower cart and I probably worked about 30 hours a week in high school. Wow. I mean I loved it. Um you know Christmas time the mall's open to like 10 p.m. Right. you know you're making <laughs> or, race yeah you know but it was it was a really really good um work ethic experience mm-hmm. that first that first again dip into the water um and so then when it was time to graduate high school you know it was like junior year thinking about the next year where are you going to apply to college and stuff and my mom said you know you can you can go to college Or I can give you the money that you would spend on college to open up a flower shop. And thank God I was smart enough to be scared enough to not take her up on that. And I said, I think I'll hang out and hide out in college for a little while. Yeah. So I left New Jersey and came to uh, Vermont Mm -hmm. to go to the University of Vermont. Mm -hmm. And I got a degree in plant and soil science. But Mm -hmm. when I came, as soon as we came just to tour, it's the only college I looked at. University of Vermont in Burlington. In Burlington, Vermont only college I looked at, only college I applied to. I applied early admission. I got in. I was like, great. I'm done with that. I know where I'm going to school. And But when we came up, we went to Church Street, which is adorable. And at the time, there was the most enchanting flower shop on this little corner spot. There were windows on two sides. They opened all the way up, big sliding glass doors. And the whole shop, it's like the shop just sort of oozed out. Ooze doesn't sound very spilled sexy. Spilled onto the but sidewalk. Yes, it all, spilled. Yeah. It spilled out. And yeah, there were everything was like black boxes, black buckets, flowers. It was very well branded. And so that, I, I knew I had to get a job there. So I stalked, I stalked that place until they gave me a job. Wow. <laughs> I just kept coming back. Is the manager in? Is the manager in? She was never in. And then finally, this girl, Natasha, said, you know, this girl keeps coming back. I think you better
0: interview her because mm-hmm. <laughs> she's not going away. It's like you came to Burlington to go to college, but you really came to find the flower shop job you wanted. I
1: did. And yeah. the truth
0: is I didn't work my
1: freshman year because it was not time for that. Yeah. It was time to like be, be a in college, be a student, maybe party a little bit. And then once it was sophomore year, though, like that's when I really buckled down. And then I worked probably, again, like 30 or something hours a week At the flower shop while i went to school and did multiple flower shops from there and that's when i realized that it is really hard to make money in a flower shop Mm -hmm. the overhead is tremendous i came really close to trying to buy a flower shop but um the what the what the owner wanted was really unreasonable for what you would get so it would have been a terrible terrible purchase And that's when I realized I don't need that. I don't need that. I can just do this now. I don't need to wait. So even though I always even still have this little like thing in the back of my mind, like one day you could have a flower shop or you you drive by somewhere like that would make a beautiful flower shop. Um, I just know that it's just not really where my heart is because I can have more flexibility with my home studio wedding focused, you know, business
0: and your heart now has this other pull which is it to does. educate. It and does. so now how has your business grown with other courses or I mean how how can people plug in?
1: Well, so like I said I had no intention of doing anything except flower math. That was it, my one idea, one and done, I have a course. And then it wasn't but a few months later when a friend of mine said, "You know, you're really, really good at customer service. You should make email templates. I think she was joking. Mm. <laughs> don't even think she was serious. Don't but you love those helpful friends that I can do. push you to do the things you should be doing? I'll tell you, I will never forget her. And so I actually Googled email templates and something came up for a photographer who does email templates for people. And it was like, I don't know, $14 or $15 or something. So I bought them just to see. And they were... I was like, I can do something so much better than this. Cause they were so branded. Like you had to be that person to send that email. Mm-hmm. I would never send an email like what this person, cause this person is like, so, you know, solid in her own brand, in her own mind that she can like talk to you in a snappy kind of way. Right. I would never do that. So right. I knew that I could do something better than this for my people. And so I made email templates. You know, how to tell little things because florists have a hard time with things like how to tell somebody you're not going to revise their proposal again until they give you a deposit or how to ask for the deposit, how to tell somebody that they sent you the contract but not the deposit or they sent you the deposit but you still need them to sign the contract. It's little things like how to present a minimum, how to things that are super crucial to s- establishing authority in mm-hmm. your business so mm-hmm. that they follow your lead. You know, I always mm-hmm. say that with customer service, it's like, You have to teach the customer the steps so they can dance with you. And if they don't know the steps, it's because you didn't explain it to them. Right. So when they're not acting right, because I can't think of a better way to say it, but when the customer's not acting right, whatever that means for you, it's because you don't have authority and you didn't teach them the steps. So they don't know what to do. They can't follow your lead if they don't know the steps. And so, yeah. So then I had email templates. And then it turned into a proposal template to teach you how to write a proposal in less time. Then soon it became, well, I have to share my contract because flowers need a solid contract. So I've got um, all of these things. I share my workflow, you know, like everything I do from it's 16 steps to client management. I have all these things. So in a way, it'd be so much easier if I just had FlowerMath. But all these tools together, they complement one another and build on each other so you can really streamline things. And I spent many years working on those, yeah. perfecting those tools to make, them, to make it look easy, right?
0: And each one of them was designed to solve a problem yes. that a florist yeah one hundred percent, so, and there are problems that you've just heard anecdotally from people, and that maybe you yourself oh, I've
1: experienced every single one of these mm-hmm. things is something that I have sent to somebody in real life. Mm-hmm. and um the the email templates people tell me all the time are like such a steal because it really takes time out of your life to sit and think, what am I going to say to this person?' How am I going to respond to this? Right. And so, yeah, I started with 12 email templates and then I added another set of email templates with 10 difficult
0: conversations,
1: (laughs) you know, how to tell somebody you're not actually a good fit after all and you're not going to work with them. Um, I was wondering
0: if how to fire the client was one of them. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I have fired a client before and it's not easy, but sometimes it's necessary because again, you have to have authority and trust. And if the client doesn't trust you, you've got nothing. Yeah. And you'll never be able to succeed because the client will always be doubting you. So sometimes you have to let them go. If
0: the trust isn't there, it's not a good fit. So how can people um, find out about all these things? Obviously, we'll put links to all your places, but... Can they subscribe to your, do you have a newsletter or?
1: I have, I have so many things, Deborah, It is really time <laughs> for this girl to streamline. <laughs> I see. I had five websites, so I am totally there you with you. You feel me. You feel, well, I also have, of course, a website camp. I've like, I keep adding as there's a need basically. So yeah. at this point, I think I've got free courses. I've got paid courses and everything is at realflowerbusiness.com. Okay. You'll find free resources there, paid resources there. And... Um, and yeah, I've got a blog full of a ton of information as well.
0: And uh, what I see is that if anybody who wants to kind of check you out, they can come to your Facebook group and yes. get also like these live videos and stuff. Yes. Right? So
1: I have a free Facebook group. I think we're we're almost at eight thousand florists in there. Not quite. Um all I ask is you don't have to be like a certain level of florist. You can be a novice, you can be aspiring. A lot of people are flower farmers that are just kind of like I'm thinking about adding weddings into, into my business model. Um the only thing I ask is that you just answer their two questions of like making sure you're a real person. <laughs> right, right, right,
0: right. <laughs> and that's that you're cool. really interested. You must have let me join at some point because you're in you're in my feed, and that's why I am so impressed with what what you're Thank what you. access you're giving people to uh to questions.
1: Well, I think, you know, that's another thing like with bi- a lot of business training I've done, they'll they'll start with a premise of like, why did you get into what you do? Hint, it wasn't to make money. And I'm like, "Hmm, I started my floral design business to make money." So I don't relate to that mm-hmm. feeling. It wasn't until I made flower math and my subsequent, you know, onslaught of courses that I kept, you know, just kept making a new course, making a new course. It That's when I understood that. Yeah, I didn't make this to make money. I made this to help people and to actually educate people so that they can be independent and make more money. Right. And yes, I do want to make money off of it because I sell it. Right. But, and it takes up a big chunk of your life. Oh, and it's like, I mean, I'm giving you my heart and soul. I mean, my flower math course is like That is it. That is everything I do. It is behind the scenes. There's nothing that I hide from you. It is literally my profits and and sales and all of that, real weddings, pictures, everything. Um, But I like to do a lot of free things because not everybody can invest. And also that's how I establish trust with people. That's how you get to know that like, I really do know what I'm talking about. Or that I'm consistent with a message and I don't say one thing one day and another thing another day. Because transparency and honesty is so important to any brand, but particularly to my brand. Because that's just like, that's what I'm pushing. I'm pushing transparency. <laughs>
0: that's so true. Well, do you have anything, I mean, no, I'm not, no no judgment here. Like, you don't have enough, maybe there's something new coming along. But is there, you're, I know you're consistently revising and, and reintroducing I, um content, but are, do you have anything cooking for 2020? Well, you know what I do every January is I teach a course
1: live. Uh, it's called the art of good business. Okay. So this is really, it's a super juicy, juicy, juicy course where we really talk about how to take your uniqueness and brand it in your business. And I don't talk about Instagram and social media. That's not the kind of branding that we talk about. We talk about really getting to the heart of what it is that you do that makes you special, that most people really don't actually know how to articulate. Right. We talk about how to get that messaging on your website in front of people so that they can read in your actual words, words that resonate with them, like they see themselves reflected back and they say, this is for me. Mm-hmm. This is my florist. Because mm-hmm. that makes all the email templates and the proposals and all that stuff easier when you're attracting the right clients in the first right, place. Right. And so that's what the art of good business is all about. And I do that every January and I always expand on it. And I actually in addition to my free Facebook group, that is a a private Facebook group where where I do coaching pretty much every month where we keep people through the course. Because my my goal is not to sell courses. My goal is to have you get results from courses. Right. So I want to support people along the way. And so when do you start taking signups for the January? So you can technically sign up anytime for the Art of Good Business and start anytime. But I'll be promoting that a little bit more heavily like in November and December. Okay. And then we start. It's usually um, five weeks of live content because I walk you through the entire course. So people can do the course on their own at their own pace, but there's this live aspect to keep you on track. Because I do know that florists are not always business-minded. And sometimes you do need somebody to say, hey, I'm here for you. Let's do this. And January is not a bad time to do that too. If there's ever a time, it's it's then. You yeah, know? Yeah. It really is. This has been so much
0: fun, Allison. Oh, Deborah, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. Oh, I, I think you've given people a lot of Food for thought, and a lot of places where they can maybe just have that com- hard conversation with themselves about: Am I? What am I doing? Am I? Are my are my tools rusty? Is my machine rusty? Can I? Can I get a well-oiled system in place? Right. And, um, watching the presentation last night, I, I, and you know, I'm not a florist. I do f- weddings for friends and friends' children yep. as gifts yep. once or twice a year, and I just was laughing like, "Wow, I wonder what." that wedding really cost right, I did right. two months ago i'm gonna have to go back and do the calculation you do tell the math, you, okay? yep. <laughs> i would love nothing more okay. than that yeah thanks so much oh deborah thank you so much it was great and we'll have um photos of allison and actually maybe even some of her floral arrangements uh, yeah. i do more i'm more than just a business brain <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll share that at deboraprinzing.com thanks So much for joining my conversation today with Alice and Ellis. We had a great time together in Vermont, and I want to thank Kelly, Mary Kate, and Walt for their amazing hospitality while we were there. You'll see more photos from that workshop in my December article in Florist Review about Mountain Flower Farm, so stay tuned. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Northwest Green Panels. Based in Madras, Oregon, Northwest Green Panels designs and constructs a wide array of wood framed greenhouses offering versatility, style, and durability. Their greenhouses are 100% Oregon made using twin wall polycarbonate manufactured in Wisconsin, making Northwest Green Panel structures a great value for your backyard. The 8x8 eight eight foot modern slant greenhouse has become the essential hub of my cutting garden check out photos of my greenhouse in today's show notes and visit northwestgreenpanels.com to see more. That's nwgreenpanels.com. Now, let's visit Pennsylvania and meet Katie Smeglinski, who owns the Rustic Bunch, along with her husband, Jason. The Rustic Bunch stemmed from a love of colorful blooms, a dedicated gardener, and the joy that a fresh bouquet brings. Located in Berks County, Pennsylvania, Katie and Jason are committed to providing locally grown and the freshest imaginable flowers to their community. They happily deliver within Berks County and the surrounding area, and they've traveled to service weddings and events in Lehigh Valley, Lancaster and York, Philadelphia, the Poconos, and even Delaware and New Jersey. The Rustic Bunch received the 2018 Best of Berks Award from Berks County Living Magazine. Let's learn more as part of our Pennsylvania Spotlight in the 2019 50 States of Slow Flowers series. Hey, I'm so excited today to continue our wonderful year-long series called 50 States of Slow Flowers. And we're all the way to P, and that means we're visiting Pennsylvania today. I'm really jazzed to uh, introduce you to Katie Smiglinski of the Rustic Bunch. Hi, Katie. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for thinking of me. Oh, you bet! I wish I was there. I want to see your flowers in <laughs> real in real time. Um, it's <laughs> it's October 5th. What's the situation there? Have you had frost yet?
2: We have not yet. Although we had, I think we were down to 37 last night. Um, which was kind of a cold snap, Mm -hmm. um, being that we just had like a high 80-degree day just two days ago, so um, had a lot of fluctuation lately. But we seem to find that we're right near a lake, um, so we actually usually make out a little bit longer. Um, I don't know if it's lake effect or just moisture in the air, Mm -hmm. um, but it usually seems to protect us a little bit longer um, like where are our, our home is just seven miles from the farm and we'll get a frost and everything here at the lake um will be fine. So wow. kind of lucks out and y- lets us extend things a little bit longer. Uh,
0: yeah, what a relief. And and yeah, those extreme temperature swings in uh the fall are just ridiculous. I heard that too, that it was like ninety degrees yeah. in on the east coast a couple weeks ago. Yes. Well, um, I guess I didn't realize that you uh, and your husband don't live at the farm. And so um, that's kind of interesting to describe, give us a snapshot of the rustic bunch and like how, did, how you got started. Right.
2: Um, well, the farm is actually my parents' property and it's been in my dad's family for four generations now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So they, the lake that we're by is, is man-made and they took a lot of the farms and you know somehow we just lucked out and our property was left um we kind of just um flow along the side of the lake Mm. um so we have a nice little nook back here and um my my dad's mom had always and even his grandmother had always loved peonies and they have um, a ton of established plants that were from both like my great, great grandmother and, and great grandmother and down through the
0: generations. Wow. That's amazing. Um,
2: so it just all seemed very natural. My husband was always a green thumb and grew up gardening with his grandfather and my mom and, and her mom had also gardened. So I think I just like grew up with all that around me And it just all seemed very natural. Um, Once my husband decided he's a teacher Mm -hmm. and, you know, had his summers free and wanted to start a business. So um, he always had a great green thumb and thought, well, I'm going to start growing flowers for farmer's market. And um, Mm. that kind of came about after he had started his garden and we didn't know what to do with all the flowers <laughs> that we had. So we would give them to people here and there and share them. Um, you know, if we went somewhere for dinner, we always brought a vase of flowers with us and everybody always encouraged us to sell them. So we started out with just simply zinnias, sunflowers, just the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it was originally his... Thing.
0: And this is I was it,
2: home with little kids at the time, <laughs> right? And his and, name is his
0: name is Jason, right? We better give him credit. Yes, yeah, Jason. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <Great>. um,
2: <laughs> and um, you know, as the kids got older, and I think it was the first couple market seasons, he pretty much did on his own. Um, and then as the kids got a little bit older, I started playing with things more and getting more interested. In arranging, mm. and it just kind of grew from there. We started growing more varieties and lots of different, well, tons more different things, and people started asking us to do events, and and it just grew from there.
0: Wow. So, how many years have you uh, and Jason kind of together uh, been running this floral operation?
2: I think our first market season was 2011. Okay. So, this is our ninth. Our ninth market season.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm wondering if um, the kind of the natural progression. It just seems I hear from people that they start at farmers markets, but then immediately start getting inquiries um, for Mm -hmm. you know for local weddings and whatever. Is is that sort of how it happened with you?
2: Yeah, definitely. People started asking, "Oh,
0: can you do this for you
2: know I'm having a shower for my granddaughter or." You know, I'm having a party at my house, and then I my first probably um two thousand and thirteen, I think I did my first like handful of weddings, wow. you know just very small um, personal flowers and you know little mason jar arrangements um, that first season. and then it just kind of progressed and snowballed from there. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> snowballed hopefully in a good way, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah so. Is um okay? You said Berks County. I think I've been mm-hmm. to Berks County. It's about an hour outside of Philadelphia, right?
2: Right, okay. right. Um, so we are. Our Reading is the largest city near us. We're outside, like kind of the rural area in Berks County, outside of Reading, uh-huh. um, and then we service you know the suburbs of the Reading area for the most part, and do events. Um, probably in a like wider range up to like allentown in lehigh valley and lancaster area and sometimes philadelphia so
0: wow wow and so this brand of yours the rustic bunch first of all it's a very cute name was that jason's iteration or or invention or did you do it together
2: (laughs) well when he first decided okay this is what he wants to do i was like well you have to have a name and (laughs) i i my background was in studio art, and I concentrated in graphic design. So that's what I had done for years. And I was like, you know, obviously you need a name and you need a logo. Um, so I played around with different ideas, and we went
0: back and forth, and that's what we settled on. Mm-hmm. So. And so, like, the graphics and the branding, you, you've you done all of that for the yeah. business. Yep. That's so neat. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like, well, I didn't know you had a, back, a studio art background, so that explains why this design component seems so... Probably didn't seem overwhelming for you. It just sort of seemed natural. Like, okay, I understand well, yeah. color. Actually, and- at
2: first, I yeah, I definitely use all my my principles of composition and color. And but at first, like, I didn't know what to do with flowers. My my mom was always very talented. My sister, you know, she'd do things for the table for holidays. And I'd always say, like, Mom, you know, can you can you do an arrangement for me? Like, you know, years and years and years ago. And then, as we started growing and I started playing with things more, it just all clicked and came together you know um,
0: right It's so just another first, medium, right yeah,
2: exactly once I, once I was used to working with it, it, it was much more natural so
0: that's fun. so the design side is really uh, grown uh, but also it sounds like you've diversified what you grow and now I mean you' you're kind of full service it sounds like with weddings and yeah. events.
2: Yeah, definitely. And we we also um, our week just kind of flows. Like in the the beginning of the week, we um, have a few wholesale accounts that we sell to other event designers. Mm. Um, and then we do a local flower share um, that takes place kind of midweek, and then we'll start um, in on our, our own events and things. So it all just kind of naturally flows throughout the week and works out, you know, if we have excess of this, that's what will go into the share that week. Um, mm-hmm. um, I feel like we really maximize um, everything that we're growing and make the most out of it um, rather than have things go to waste.
0: Right. So. It's a, it's such a smart way to, to kind of have multiple channels and m- ensure that you aren't throwing beautiful product into the compost pile at the end of the week. Well, I think it's really cool that you're doing your own design work, and that probably informs how you market to other uh, studio and event florists who you sell to wholesale. I mean, how, that, that's got to have influence on what you're doing.
2: Right, definitely. I think, um, you know, being aware of the color trends and, you know, obviously grow as much much white blush and burgundy as possible. (laughs) (laughs) So I keep that in mind. Um, If there's something brighter that I do like, I know that it's just going to be going into our um, floral shares or our market bouquets um, because they tend to, to like the more brighter um, palette. So um, yeah, I definitely keep that in mind when we're ordering our seeds and plug trays. And um, I feel like, uh, just always in the mm-hmm. back of your head, thinking, okay, what what colors do I have ahead this season, and what could did I not have enough of this past season? Um, sure, so definitely and, influences.
0: Well, I remember that we met together with Tara Folker of um, Splints and Daisies uh, yes. a couple years ago at um, David Beam's farm, and yes. I, I. I don't know in my mind the two of you always were like a dynamic duo I I don't know why were you primarily selling to her or were you guys collaborating in other ways Um, Um, well it
2: it started as I had reached out to her because I knew she liked to use primarily local product as mm -hmm. much as she possibly could Um, so I'd reached out to her within the first um, couple few seasons of us growing um, to ask if she would be interested and um yeah so just from there, from weekly deliveries throughout the season we've become friends, and now we do like a winter travel trip together um the end of the season to kind of get away and and clear our heads and that's you know, so we,
0: cool yeah
2: we've definitely gr- grown a great friendship over the years
0: so. i I feel like you must really be influencing each other because you you are were are a grower who started doing more design and as I understand it Tara has now added growing to her her floral business right?
2: Yeah definitely so I'll I'll, you know she's just texting me the other day about, oh, I want this, dahl- what's the name of this dahlia you gave me? I want to <laughs> get some of those. <laughs> and I'll add some in, like, my fall border for the fall. Um, yeah, so she's definitely, she's gotten her own property. I think it's about four acres now. Mm-hmm. And she just wants, she knows, like, all the other like growing over the winter and uh, in hoop houses is more labor intensive. So she's putting in a lot of like woodies and um, Mm -hmm. things on her own property that she can also harvest from. And then she has a, a, a small annual garden that she can cut from too. So yeah, it's definitely... Um, I think we've definitely influenced each other in many ways.
0: Oh, good! I think we should do a story about this for Florist Review because I think that there's <laughs> there's definitely this continuing theme that I want to keep suggesting to people to consider yeah. adding uh, the growing component. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think having a, a a good friend who is a farmer, flower farmer, has got to be the secret sauce. Oh yeah,
2: like, there are so many um, so many people in the the surrounding area in Pennsylvania. That I think, um, we all have a great camaraderie. You know, we, we share orders together. Um, we reach out if we're short on something. Um, you know, we can always ask questions or give advice. Um, mm. you know, we've had a few meetups, um, here and there. Um, so I think, I think that's one aspect that I do really enjoy, um, is the, the friendships and the relationships that I've formed over the years. Um,
0: yeah, and with simpler. people people who potentially could be perceived could could perceive each other as competitors, it doesn't sound mm-hmm. like that's really been like. Is there just enough good business going around for everybody to right? I stay think, in their I mean, lane. I have,
2: I have another florist. She's literally like we always joke we're in each other's backyards. Um, it's events by Kelly's Florist, and she. Um, She buys from me. We help each other out on weddings if we're short-handed. Um, You know, so there again, we could easily be competitors, but we've just formed a friendship um, Mm. instead of instead of competing with Mm. one another.
0: What do you think is the reason for that? Is it just that everybody sees that you know appreciates that everyone has their own aesthetic and? A, a, a couple or a bride is going to find the designer who best fits right. their vision.
2: Right, and you know, everyone has their own tastes and their own style and their own um, way of mm-hmm. doing things. So I think there's enough. Um, there's enough variation, and there's enough um, even within, like I said, within like a couple miles of right,
0: Maine right. That, That's amazing. that we
2: can we can help each other and provide, um, you know, just a, a different way. I, I, it's just not in my nature to be, you know, competitive or aggressive or mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and I so. guess, I guess you all also then have, um, this confidence referring, to a- a potential client to someone else if you're already booked. I mean, then you, you feel like you're giving them. Oh yeah. Definitely. A, some... I'll
2: always give, you know, a few names like, you know, sorry, we have that date already scheduled out, but if you want to get in touch with, um, you know, so-and-so, they have a similar style and they're great to work with. Um, mm. I'll always recommend people. And, um, that's neat. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. And I think the whole like social media forum you know, the the groups on Facebook where everyone's sharing knowledge and asking questions, I think that all encourages it as well.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, as there's always open conversations and there's always um people that are willing to help. So that's neat. um everyone seems to be giving. Um and again, that's just one aspect that I really enjoy. Yeah.
0: Um, having a community.
2: Yeah, about the whole industry. Yeah, definitely.
0: So, I noticed on your bio that you, um, uh, that the rustic bunch was uh, received the 2018 Best of Berks award from Berks County Living Magazine, and um, that you're n- you were nominated for 2019 too. So, what, what is that award? Is it for floral design or? F- Local flowers, or how did that all happen? It's
2: just a general, like, florist category, and it's voted on by um, the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a whole whole list of different aspects, you know, your favorite restaurant, your favorite sure. um, burger, that type of thing. So Well, that's a, pretty
0: cool to get that award.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, I was we were so honored. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a goal of mine. And I was so glad to have met it. So
0: do you feel like you're kind of have that public facing, um, awareness because of the farmer's market, uh, uh, side of your business? I mean, you're still selling at farmer's markets even in, Mm -hmm. in your seven or eight.
2: Yeah, that was, um, that was one thing that we always felt like it gave us a great way to, be a part of the community and, you know, have our face out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we always get tons of questions. Um, my husband, um, since I've been more busy with weddings and events on the weekends, my husband will mostly, um, handle the market and mm-hmm. uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter has been helping out. So,
0: oh, fun. Um, fun! yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> how old is she? is 15. Oh, perfect. Um, Perfect. Junior florist, junior flower farmer. Right, exactly. (laughs) And you said something earlier that made me, since we're talking about the farmer's market, made me wanted to just do a follow-up on that. You talked about the flower shares and about the farmer's market. So those are two different channels that are direct Mm -hmm. to consumer, right?
2: Right. Um, We have a few other pickup locations in Berks County um, that you sign up and you can do either the full season, you can do weekly, um, you can do bi-weekly or monthly, and um, just a way to um, have fresh flowers in your home. Mm-hmm. Um, so we deliver to those pickup locations, and we also will deliver directly to you if you choose that option. Wow. So, yeah.
0: And are those designs comparable to what you sell at the farmer's market, or do you try to make them have a different kind of size or or pricing. Yeah.
2: They're usually a a different size, um, just to stand out a little bit more, Mm -hmm. you know, and I really enjoy, um, like our weekly people that follow us through the season. I think it's runs for 24 weeks. Um, so from like mid April all the way up until usually end of October, um, they're getting something different each week. So it's, and um, I always keep that in mind, like, oh, what, you know, what color did I do last week? I have to make <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> Something different and, you know, keep it, keep it fresh. And just following throughout the season, you know, that they've got just a little bit of everything that yeah. we grow. So. So,
0: so, it's so symbolic of the whole arc of your farm then and what you're producing and, and uh, 24 weeks. It, Katie, that is pretty remarkable. Most people I know are doing 12 weeks At the most. So you've really, it's because of the way you've extended your crop rotation or? Uh,
2: Yeah. So we, you know, we have a hoop house, so um, we do ranunculus and anemone in there. And um, usually I figure um, once our spring bulbs and everything starts coming in that we we just usually have so much. Um, So it makes sense to start it at that time in the season.
0: That's wonderful. and,
2: And continue it through until we're done. So, We've already a little bit started up fall cleanup. Um, we kind of have two sections to our field, so once the weeds take over the earlier spring <laughs> side, <laughs> um, yeah, where you can, you really can't see anything anyway, um, we start we start tearing that out and um, sure. focusing on already focusing on next season. So,
0: wow, <laughs> what are you going to do anything new for next season in terms of? Um, new crops or expansion or are you kind of at a place that's really sustainable for you
2: yeah i feel like we're kind of at. as i said before my husband's always like encouraging like let's not add too much more <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. already we're to the point where for a while we were adding um, usually like um 50 to 100 sometimes more peony um variety Mm uh you know plants each Mm -hmm. season but we've kind of reached a max we found on um how much of those we have and and harvest so wow um the past couple years we haven't put much more
0: in but um now just focus on getting more profitable or something like that right
2: right right I, i always say we should put in more more perennials like that but it's just a matter of um our production and the way we do our field. Um, my husband's always like, no, nah, just put it in the annual side and we'll <laughs> plan it again next year.
0: <laughs> is is Jason still teaching?
2: He is. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah. He, he teaches high school. So usually it's it, the spring and fall, which are usually our busiest times of the year. He is still in school teaching. So. Right becomes a very busy time with you know after school on as much as we can do on the weekends and yeah but he i always say he he doesn't have any rest so. right
0: <laughs> as the as the kids get older too it maybe it becomes more of a family operation even though mm-hmm. you know it's probably boils yeah. down to the two of you mostly
2: right well he had he had the kids all out um Carrying out mats for that that side of the field cleanup, so and was laughing at them uh, arguing the whole time, and <laughs> usually, usually it involves some sort of bribe
0: <laughs> reward. <laughs>
2: Yes, a bribe and reward Uh, so that we can at least, he's like, come on, you know, just give me a few hours and we can get this all done. So,
0: very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's definitely good
2: to have helping hands, and I definitely (laughs) couldn't do it without him. So
0: That's fun. Well, I I hope I get to visit sometime. Will you share some photos of the Rustic Bunch, uh, the farm and your flowers uh, and some of your designs, Katie? I'd love that. Um, And I'll make sure people know how to follow you on social media, which is sort of how we all keep tabs on each other. So. Okay. so all right. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good rest all of your right. day. Thank you so much. You Bye, too. Katie. Take care. Bye. out photos of the Rustic Bunch and find links to Katie's and Jason's social places in today's show notes at deborahprincing.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast has been downloaded more than 526, thousand times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. Our final sponsor spotlight today goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers' Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top-quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com.